want to welcome everyone today. We're so glad you're here with us, and we welcome everyone this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And we're... Um, We are trying something new this morning. If uh, if I don't pr- if I'm not preaching well, then Aunt, Aunt, where's Andrew at? Go ahead, Andrew. Show him what you'll do if I'm not preaching well. Uh, he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna poke his head from behind there, and t- so if you see that, you know we, we need to stop. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you go ahead and be seated this morning? Um. Let me say really quickly, I forgot to mention this, it's uh, awesome this morning to have with us Becky Anderson in service with us. And I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I'll have to ask forgiveness later. We, had, we got great news that she's being transferred, her husband's being transferred back into the area, so she's going to be coming back. In our area, full circle. So we are, uh, God is doing some great things. The jetties are going to be here uh, within the next uh, little bit here. I was texting him this week, and they're excited about coming back. And uh, we have some awesome things that are uh, taking place, and uh, God is doing some great things. But we are excited that she is going to be back with us, and we'll finally be able to have revival. The missing link is back. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. This morning, uh, we're going to continue. This is our last in the series we've been doing about Noah. Next week, for the month of October, we've got four Sunday mornings, regular scheduled Sunday mornings in October. In October, we're going to be talking about heaven and hell separating fact from fiction. There's a lot of things about heaven and hell that that have been told to us that aren't what the Bible says. So we're going to find out what the Bible says about heaven and what the Bible says about hell. And one of the things we're going to talk about that I I preached several years ago, uh, one of the things we're going to discuss is, will you enjoy heaven? Will you enjoy heaven? And the question about that is, is that based off our understanding or based off what we think heaven would be like and what the Bible says heaven would be like, will you enjoy it? And I, I don't want to, it's not time to preach that today, but if, I mean, if you don't enjoy coming to church and worshiping, how are you going to enjoy heaven? You don't enjoy spending time with God outside of church. How are you going to enjoy spending eternity with him? Heaven is not a retirement community that we go and sit on the beach and, and relax. And so if there are certain things that we do, if we don't do certain things here, how are we expecting to enjoy heaven? And so we'll talk about that and some other stuff as we go along. But today we are finishing up our, uh, our series, Lessons Learned from the Ark, where we've talked about and discussed the first Sunday we, we, um, we talked about some parallels between the ark and uh, salvation and things of that nature. And then last week we discussed um, 
the fact that Jesus pointed to Noah and the times of Noah and the times of Lot as signs and ways that the, uh, for us to look for his coming. In fact, we, we, not to go back and preach that, but to, we, we find that Jesus actually discusses two parallel tracks. We often talk about the, the track of destruction, earthquakes, storms, chaos, but Jesus also talked about a track, and that was a track of prosperity. People marrying, people giving in marriage, people drinking, having a good time, and both of those running parallel and eventually meeting at the connecting point where God uh, is going to return for us. But today we're going to finish up. We're going to talk about Noah, and we're going to talk about uh, believing. I'm going to make a statement, and you're going to go, well, that's kind of a duh statement. But it takes faith to be saved. Think about it today. Let's say, we, 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 you've heard me preach about this before, but I, I, let me uh, give me a moment to just go back over it again. Think about this for a moment. We come in here, we close our eyes, we sing songs, and we talk out loud to a God we can't see. People are put away for less than that. People are taken away and given little white cups for stuff less than that. But we come in here and we close our eyes. Then most of us, if that's not strange enough, most of us, when we close our eyes, we pray We start talking in this language that we don't understand what we're saying and we don't know what we're saying, but it's coming from this invisible God thing that we believe in. Think about for a moment from a natural standpoint how crazy that is. And the thing about the fact that I can tell you today that everything you've done up to this point in your life doesn't matter what it's been, it doesn't matter how crazy it is, it doesn't matter the depth of it, you can get into a tank of water and I can say over you the name of Jesus and put you in that tank of water and when you come out, you can be totally forgiven and cleansed. Think about that, it's crazy. Most of us take baths every day. We come in, we go, we go in one way, and we usually come out the same way. Every time I take a shower, I don't have a spiritual experience. But somehow calling on this name of this guy that lived 2,000 years ago somehow transforms this water into a supernatural experience. Then we believe that if we don't die... This invisible thing that we call God is actually going to come back to earth and take us up to heaven. When you think of these things, it's, 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 it's crazy that the fact that God has built all of this around a simple concept of faith. But he's not asking you to do what he hasn't asked others to do. And we find this because this is what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is 
the chapter in the Bible that's most directly correlated and, 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 and sort of has been known as the faith chapter. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. And it goes through the, the characters of the Bible and sort of what they did. It talks about Noah. Hebrews eleven seven by faith. Everybody say by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet. He was warned of God for stuff he hadn't seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Let me pause here and say, I encourage everyone who, 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 who in their sincerity would go back and listen last Sunday night to Bishop Wright's message about righteousness and faith and the combination of those two. There's not one person in this room today that would not be completely blessed by that revelation and that needs that revelation. But by faith, Noah being warned of God. So we see in Noah faith at work. And we go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we are introduced to Noah in Genesis 6 and 9, this is what it says. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just, that word just meaning righteous man, perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. That little tagline there, is it up there? This right here, walked with God, is all we need to know about Noah. The fact in the description of his life, it was described by those three words. Let me ask you this morning, if someone described your life, would they use those three words? If someone, if you were today, if, if you were uh, laying before us in a casket and someone was trying to, sum, to, to, to summarize your life, and they would say, well, they were a good husband, they were a good wife, they were a good mother, they were a good father, they were a good brother, they were a good sister, they were a good aunt, they were a good uncle, they were a good friend, they were a good worker, all that. But would they, in their description of your life, say, but the most important thing is they walked with God. There was something about Noah that stood out so much that the defining characteristic of his life was he walked with God. Why is that important? We will find out in just a moment why walking with God is important because it was the correlation of his walk with God that determined his action when God spoke. Because let's start for a moment and look at the condition of the world Noah was living in. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 6 verse number 2. Look what the Bible says is the condition of the world. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair and they took, the, took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that that when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same, mighty, the, this, the same came 
the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of thoughts of this heart was only evil continually. So we've got this, this total contrast here for a moment. We've got Noah, whose defining characteristic was he walked with God. To walk with God is to please God. And what is the main ingredient to pleasing God? Thank you. Faith. How do we know that? Because the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Please him. To please him is to walk by faith. But we have this complete contrast of a world that Noah was living. He was marching to a different beat. You've got a world and one man choosing to walk differently. We are living in the post-Christian world today. It is one thing to live for God in this building when most of us in here confess to be Christians. You don't even have to, to be a Christian to come in here and, and, and to act like one. You can fake it. But when you go out of these rooms, our world now is inundated with an anti-God viewpoint. And to have a viewpoint that's based and centered around God puts you at odds with our world. To say that you believe that God was the creator puts you at odds with our world. To say that you believe in the principles of the word of God and how life and, and, and the components of life should be governed puts you at odds with the world. Do you realize 50 years ago you didn't even have to be a Christian to have a Christian-centered viewpoint? Because our world had a Christian-centered viewpoint. Our nation had a Christian-centered viewpoint. So now we find that as we have gotten away from that, us who profess to be Christians are becoming more and more odd. Think about how odd a, no a little fellow Noah had have been. Think of how weird. I, 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 listen, I, I try to be, I try to be cool. I'm not, I don't try to be a goober. I try to dress cool. I try to dress like, uh, I try to dress in, in stuff that is least from this decade. I may not be completely up. I haven't got this. This body and skinny pants don't go together. You are the little skinny things. God bless you and your little pencil legs. So there's some things that just doesn't connect well. But yeah, I try to be cool. I try to stay at least halfway current. I may not be as quite up to the fashions as some of you are. But I mean, I'm, come on, I'm not wearing stuff from the 80s. That, well, they are wearing stuff from the 80s. I would be in style. It's like back to the future every time you go to the mall. But let's be honest. Living for God is not going to make you fit in. And the, one of the things I struggle with that with modern wave of Christianity is they've tried to make Christianity fit in with the culture of the world. I don't mean this to be negative, but if you if you watch most of the modern day preachers or or or, or guys leading churches, you can't tell the difference between what they look like and anybody else. I'm not here to 
judge or point fingers. My point is, I never find in Scripture that following God makes you look more like everybody else. Act like everybody else. Do what everybody else do. And Noah had to have been an oddball. Think about that. He had to be kooky for most people because his defining characteristic was he walked with God, yet he was living in a world that was defined by they did evil continually. Think about the contrast to that. What kind of evil? Well, can you imagine the evil? The Bible talks about the, what goes on in our flesh and if they were given over to the flesh. You're talking about immorality, violence, profaneness, anything you can think of. And on top of that, the big one, demonic possession. Because you had this whole component of the fallen angel, the sons of God coming down, these fallen entities. One commentator wrote, he says this, fallen angels who are sexless, angels are sexless, infiltrated evil men and those men began to have relations with women and created this generation of evilness. Because you know what? Just like the Spirit of God chooses us to be the housing component to manifest itself, demonic beings look for places to abide to manifest themselves. Why do you think when Jesus kicked the, the, the demons out of the insane man, what was their first quest? Can we go into the swine? That's why sin is not just some innocent thing that we do. Why? Because sin and sin that is unrepented over is an open access to the demonic in your life. Is this too real today? Sin becomes an open door to access. Because Jesus said, the, the, the God of this world has come and has found nothing in me. You mean he's looked at every door and every window, but they're all sealed up shut. Because he was sinless. But when I have sin in my life that I don't repent of, and things in my life that I'm not getting over, and I'm not letting God help me, and I'm continuing to live in a rebellious manner and sin, that's not just innocency. I'm just like, well, I'm trying, preacher. No, no, what you're doing is you're allowing access to the adversary in your life. That's why addiction, addiction is not just the component of the act. Addiction is the component of the act married with the influence of the supernatural. To get over addiction, you cannot just simply deal with the act. True deliverance from addiction must deal with the act and the spirit that's attached to the act. We're teaching today. We're not preaching, but that's okay. Someone's helping when, you, when you're trying to get over addiction, the Bible does not call the word addiction addiction. It calls it a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold. You do not get over a stronghold simply by changing your actions. There's got to be a spiritual component. Because a lot of you, when you came to God, there were some things that you participated in that you were able to get over, but there were some things that had a stronghold in your life that took a supernatural deliverance. It took a supernatural act of deliverance 
to get you free from. Why is that the case? Because the devil is an imitator, not an originator. And if you don't think the devil sees how God can get into somebody and change them for the positive and doesn't try to mimic that by getting in your life and influencing you and making it to a negative, you're crazy. This is not what we talk about in churches. You don't bring up the devil anymore. We talk about God and love and all that. But we cannot dismiss the fact that the world that we live in, that what we're doing has a demonic component to it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's why I said earlier today, to truly have revival and harvest, we cannot truly have revival and harvest simply by just having good church services. That doesn't change anybody. There's got to be a supernatural manifestation because it's the supernatural that changes people. And to get you free, I've, I've, I've heard this before, it, deliverance takes it out, discipline keeps it out. Let's say it again. Deliverance takes it out, discipline keeps it out. Why is that the case? Because I can come to God and God can take things out of me. But if I don't back it up with some discipline in my life, all I'm going to do is open the access again in my life for that thing to come back in. Why? Because the Bible says that the spirit comes back and looks in the house and finds it empty, swept, and garnished. And the key word to that is not the swept and not all tidy. The empty word to that is empty. And he says, aha, nobody's taking ownership of it. Let's go get seven buddies and we'll come back and we'll have a party. That's why in our lives... The presence of God and have a relationship with God is not about a control of a church. God is not, a walk with God is not about rules. Ugh. We do certain things that are part of the discipline to help us walk with God, but we don't follow a set of rules. Because there's not one person in this room that can obey rules. And so we have this contrast of Noah living in this world that's in utter chaos. And we find the statement that is made about Noah. Noah walked with God. Why is that the case? Why is that important? Why, preacher, are you, why, why, why is that important? Isn't coming to church important? Yeah. Isn't, 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 isn't being a part of a church important? Yeah, but you know what? That's all secondary. I don't come to church to be saved. I come to church because I am saved. Coming to church in the act of coming to church does not equate salvation. Noah did not have a church. Noah didn't go to church. He walked with God. I'm not saying don't go to church, but Noah walked with God. That was the defining characteristic. <laughs> Noah walked with God. Why is that important? Because he's walking with God one day, whatever routine he got into, and God says, Psst, Noah, Noah, 
destroy with a flood, and I want you to build a boat. Now think about that. God was asking him to do something he had never seen and didn't even know about. Let me just throw this out there, a little nugget for somebody. The weir weirder God gets, the bigger he is, has got to do something big. The crazier God gets is because he's about to do something big. When God gets nutty in your life, you're thinking, what in the world are you, how in the world do you expect, really? That means he's about to do something big. I want to take a group of people and start a congregation called Antioch West. Why? Can't we be okay just staying? Why? Because I got to do something big. And he says, hey, psst, I want you to build a boat. Because it's going to flood. And the Bible says that Noah, if you read the, you read the, 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 the correlation and the whole story there in, in verses 6 and 7 and 8 and all that, we never hear Noah talk to God. We only hear God talking to Noah. But the defining characteristic was he walked with God. What is walking with God? Noah had a relationship with him. And when you have a relationship, relationship leads to obedience. Do you know what? If Noah was just a good guy, let's just say Noah was just a good guy. He paid his taxes, was decent, all that evil craziness going on. He wasn't participating. That. He was just a good guy. But let's just take out the three words, he walked with God. Let's just cut those out of Scripture for a moment. And he's walking along one day and says, Psst, Noah. Yeah? Who are you? It's God. Uh, okay. I want you to build a boat. A what? I want you to build a boat. Okay. And why would I will do that? Because it's going to flood. Okay. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> he wouldn't have listened to God. He wouldn't have responded, but because he knew who God was. His faith and his walk led to his obedience. Because we didn't hear him, we didn't hear him say, hey, really? You want me to do what? And on top of that, God asked him to work in the day and preach at night. Because Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness. And he had a three-word sermon. It's going to rain. He didn't have a text. He didn't have any points. That's all he preached every night. It's going to rain. Let's have an altar call. Nobody came. Wakes up the next morning, puts another few logs of the gopher wood up, goes to church on that evening. It's going to rain. Let's have an altar call. Nothing. And he did that for 120 years. And in 120 years, God never spoke again and told him, just to want to let you know, I know it's year 67 and nothing's happened, but keep it up. It's year 99. 
keep it up. For 120 years, it was total silence. Let me ask you this. If God never spoke to you again for the rest of your life, could you make it? I'm not asking that because an answer, I don't know. But his relationship with God was so strong. And his confidence in God, because he knew God, was so strong that he was, he was able to withstand 120 years of persecution, building something without ever seeing it. Because he walked with God. We talk about the fact that we all want to be saved, right? I've asked this question today, would you want to be saved? Every person in here would raise your hand. I want to be saved. And when we talk about the fact that, that if you don't die naturally, that there's going to become a time that God is going to return in what is termed, even though it's a theological term, it's not a term used in the Bible, but it's a theological term in the rapture, and how do we know the rapture? Well, the Bible says the trump of God shall blow. And we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Who? Who? Because you know what? You've heard me preach about this before, but there's some new faces here that haven't heard this. When you hear that word trump of God will sound, that doesn't mean Louis Armstrong. The word trump there means a vibration. It's a vibration. That a vibration will go out. And you've heard this before, but allow me just for a moment to elaborate. It's, is this on today? Oh, look at that. Boy, we have the technology. Look at all the buttons. I have no idea where to even go here. Hope you can hear it because I have no idea how to turn this up. But this on the keyboard. Sorry, over there. I'm missing you. This is middle C. If I hit middle C, the reason we know the sound of it is because when you hit that, the wires flow out of here into that speaker, and that speaker makes a vibration, and the sound that comes out of that speaker, we know to be C. But my mom had a little a baby grand piano growing up. Not a digital piano, a baby grand piano that, was, that had the wires and all the stuff in it. And every once in a while, she would bring in someone to tune it because of the moisture and the cold and all that. It gets out of tune. And to watch it was quite fascinating. If you've never seen it done, it's, it's actually quite interesting. And the little fella comes in with his bag, and he takes out these little tuning forks, and he sits down there, and he literally takes the, the, little, the little doodad out, and he just holds it there, and he hits the note. And if that note doesn't vibrate, because that note is built to vibrate at the right frequency of middle C or the note C. And so he hits that nothing, no vibration. He's got to tune it. Tune it. Hits it again, not, not quite. He tunes it. He does it enough until he, I'm here talking about just, I mean, tiny bits of adjustment before he hits that note, and then vibrations. And he knows, I'm on the right note. It's amazing to me that God would use the term trump as a vibration. 
Because walking with God is that way. Walking with God is me being in tune with Him. And every day I get up, I've got to make a little adjustments in my life. Why? Because I'm flesh. Flesh has highs. Flesh has lows. When you have high temperature and low temperature on a piano, it causes the strings to adjust. That gets out of tune. When you have highs and lows in your life, you're, you get, you, I mean, come on, we all have good days and bad days. People don't even know God have good days and bad days. Coming to God does not eliminate the fact that you have bad days. You've got bad days. Just because you've got the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized, does not eliminate the bad days. Sometimes I think it gives you more bad days. That's another discussion for another day. Living for God does not eliminate the bad days. And so we've got good days and bad days. Why? Because he said, I'll give you life and life more abundantly. He said, I'll give you a few more good days. I may have to throw in a few more bad days to balance it out, but I'll give you some more good days. Because it's life. There's good and bad. And guess what life does? It creates us up and down. And guess what that does? It gets us out of tune. So what is walking with God? Walking with God is staying in tune with him. Because this world is trying to get us out of tune. And how did Noah know what God was going to do? Because Noah was in tune with God. How am I going to be saved? I said it in the beginning. I'll say it here as, as I close. It takes faith to be saved. Noah had faith. And Noah was saved because he had faith combined with the walking with God. You take the walking with God out of Noah's component, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about Noah. We may be talking about Bob's ark or Bill's ark. It wouldn't have been Noah's ark. But Noah walked with God. Well, you know, it was easy back then, preacher, because they didn't have the things back then that we have all the... Really? Did you read those five verses we talked about? There was evil continually. I mean, the world was so, the world was so bad that God, the creator, had no option left but to hit the reset button. That's how bad it got. It's bad, folks, now, but I don't think God's ready to hit the reset button quite yet on this world. But things had gotten so bad, God said, I, the only thing left to do is men have, men have given themselves over to evil so much, got to hit the reset button. But he could not hit the reset button without warning his friend, Noah. Noah. And the Bible says, Noah responded by faith to things not yet seen. I'm going to die and going to go to heaven. Have you ever seen heaven? No. Do you know where heaven is? I don't know. Up there, maybe. That way? Hopefully not that way. Up there? I don't know. We're going to go to heaven if you're... Okay. But if I don't go to heaven, don't worry. There's a trumpet is going to sound, and next thing you know, my clothes are going to be laying there on the ground because I'm out of here. And we think, well, you know, that's a, you think about 
just sort of the nuttiness of that statement. You think that's even more nuttier than build a boat? Build a boat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Build a what? That's like me asking you today, we are going to put on a mission to go to Mercury. Go down to Home Depot and build yourself a spaceship. Say what? Excuse me, I'll, what aisle is rocket fuel on? <laughs> Sir, we don't sell that here. Well, God told me to come down and build a rocket ship, and, and I figure you're the... That's how nutty that was. No, what are you doing? Building an ark? A what? Basically, it's a big boat. Noah, what is a boat? A boat is something that's designed to float on water. Noah, there's no water. I know you don't see it yet, but God told me that it was going to rain and water was going to spring and it was going to flood. And I, if that wasn't on that boat, I would die. Where is this God? Take me to him. I want to see him. You can't really see him, per se. Well, fine, then. Take, can, can, can I talk to him? Well, you can talk to him. Okay, okay, fine. So you're telling me this invisible dude told you to build a boat on something you've never seen. Crazy. You mean you crazy Christians going to go to church every week? Because if you don't, you may not make it. Oh, really? You guys are a bunch of gullible people. Boy, Christians are the most gullible people ever. They believe you go to church every Sunday. You know they only go to church because they just want your money. You don't need to go to church. Christians are gullible. They really believe you're going to go to church because some guy who you haven't seen and some Jesus person, the History Channel, told me, I, I know they're right, that he didn't even exist. They had some experts on there and everything. And you're really going to go believe all that. You know that's just crazy. Let me ask you this. I would ask whoever was playing to come, but there's no one to come. Come. I think it's a habit. Let me ask you this. It spends 120 years building a boat. What happens if it doesn't rain? Hundred and twenty years of building a boat, what happens if it doesn't rain? Well, the simple answer is nothing. Let me ask you this. What did he lose by building the boat? Well, he dealt with people making fun of him. <laughs> people make fun of you no matter what. Well, I mean, it's been 120 years wasting his life. Really? So people don't waste their life today. 
Do you know who the biggest consumer of video games are? Take a guess. Who do you think the biggest consumer of video games are? What age group? I heard, I heard several say it. The biggest consumer of a multi-billion dollar industry of video games are men between 30 and 39. It's not a bunch of kids. Men, 30 to 39, in a multi-billion dollar industry, are the biggest consumers of video games. And you say people don't waste their life? They have leagues now, televised, of men playing video games. I'm not saying video games are right or wrong. I got a PS4 at home. I don't know where the controllers are of it. I got it somewhere. Hadn't been turned on in a while. I'm not saying they're wrong. So you say, well, you know, they wasted their life. Really? That's not wasting your life? So my question to you is, is that what, would it, what, did it what did Noah lose by obeying God? Let me ask you the same thing. Let's say you die, and that's it. Let's say that God doesn't come back and you live and you die and nothing happens. My question to you is what do you have to lose? Because you know what? Building an ark, no rain, didn't lose anything. But not building an ark and it does rain, you lose everything. Giving your life to the invisible God, and this is all a big sham, what do you lose? Nothing. Well, you know, I didn't get to do all the stuff I wanted to do. Well, you know, because we know by experience that is the way to live, right? Because the world is just overwhelmed with happiness. <laughs> question to you is, you give your life to God and nothing happens at the end, what did you lose? But don't give yourself to God. And this is all true? Ooh. What was that I felt? That was a raindrop. What? Water falling from the sky. Shim! Ham! Japheth! Come together, guys! Hurry! We gotta build a boat quick. I don't know how to build it. Let's just build it. Let's start building it. We don't have time. We got to try something. It's too late. But he, it was right. I, there's water. It's, it's right. We don't have time to prepare. We missed our opportunity. My question is, is that, do you really think Okay, God. <laughs> All right, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right, God. I'm, you're right. I'm sorry. I should have believed in you. I should have obeyed you. I got it. Time out. Let me go back. Let me go back and try it over again. God, please stop. Please give me another opportunity. The rich man spoke from hell and said, can you just... Fine, if you can't get me out of here, just have somebody bring me a drop of water.
my question to you is, what if, it all is, what if all this is a big joke? What do we lose? Is coming to church that bad? At least you make some friends. At least you have some community to be involved in. And in the end, it doesn't equate to anything. What have you lost? But what if you say, you know what? I don't need any of that stuff in my life. It's no good. It's just about control. Just about people want to be in my life, run my business. I don't need that. I'm who I am. I want to be my own person, make my own decision. Let's just say that's your choice. What if we are right? Well, you know what? If this is all true, then God needs to send me a sign. If God would send me a sign, I believe him. Imagine how many times Noah sat down on, the, on that gopher wood and just said, you know what, God, just throw me a bone. How about a drop? I mean, forget it. Okay, fine. If you're not going to give it, how about a cloud? Something. Something. Give me something to show me that I'm, what I'm doing is worth it. He didn't even get a response. Nothing. In the last verse of Genesis chapter 6. Do you have that? I, Andrew, do you have that last verse? I think it's 22. Genesis 6, somewhere at the end there. Thus did Noah, or according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Why? Go back to verse 9 there. Why did he all this? Because one simple definition. He walked with God. This, all of this boils down to one thing is, are you walking with God? Noah wasn't perfect. We found out later he was squirrelier than everybody else. Go read the rest of the story. He was messed up. Righteous man and all that. Did you, see, did you read the stuff he did? You go to jail for that kind of stuff. Read it. Just, really? This was the guy that God chose? To, that dude? He did what? I mean, just weird. Just Oh. It wasn't perfect. Walked with God. Wasn't perfect with God. He walked with God. And the fact is, it was perfect in generations. What? What? Perfect? Why was he, why did it say he was perfect when we know the whole story? He wasn't perfect. Walked with God. And throw about Hebrews eleven seven 7 up there. Here's why we know. Perfect, why was he called perfect? Here's why. Hebrews eleven seven. 7. Righteousness which is by faith. He became an heir of righteousness because he simply obeyed God the best he knew how. 
He didn't say, go build a boat, and by the way, go down to the college and take a course on architecture so you can know how to do it. He said, build a boat. But Noah walked with God. He wasn't perfect. He did the best he knew how. But because of his obedience and the best he knew, it was considered perfect and righteous. And we know he wasn't. So you know what? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we can be defined as that. How? Through faith and walking with God. Through faith and believing and doing what God. And every time I come to church and I participate in this, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of faith because I'm doing something when I have not been given the sign from God. So you know what? Today I finish with this. It is God's desire that every person in this room, every person in this room, and even those outside in the Sunday school, every person, it is God's desire that he has a personal relationship with every one of you. It's God's desire. It's God's desire not to know you. He already knows you. It's your desire for you, him, for you to know him. And you know what God's doing today? This may be a little silly and elementary, but just work with me for a moment. You're a plate dodgeball or kickball at school and they pick teams and you were kind of like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know what God's doing today? He's looking here and he's saying, someone pick me. Well, God, we're here today. We're, you're here. Isn't that good enough? He's like, no, 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 pick me. Because you know what God wants you to do? Pick me. Come here, pick me. God wants you to take him by the hand and say, when it's time to leave, let's go together. Take me with you. Because you know what? Where you go, I want to go. Let's go together. Let's walk together. You got to go to school tomorrow? Let's go together. You got any tests this week, quizzes this week? Let me take them with you. Got any problems in your life? Let me go with you. Let me walk with you. Let me be your friend. You have bad days? You know what? I'll be right there. You ever get scared? Don't worry. I got you, buddy. Walking with God. No effort there. Not breaking down sweat. He just makes a choice. God, go with me. You know what God says? I'm excited. Let's go. Let's do it. I want to go with you. But you know what? It's like we're sitting here today, and God's like, please pick me. Take me with you. You know what? You say, you worship, came to church, but guess what happened? Just get up and walk. Huh. Can I, I want to go with you. Can you take me with you?
please don't go without me. Why? Whoa, watch out now. Get up on here. That battery pack bit me. Why? Because it's God's desire to walk with you. No more than that. Thank you. No stress involved in that. Just when you leave, take them with you. Don't leave them here at church. Don't let your relationship with God be defined by church. Don't say, don't, don't let your relationship would be, and they were a church goer. No, I wasn't a church goer. I walked with God. Did I go to church? Yes, I went to church. But my life is not defined because I went to church. My life is defined because I walk with God. Would you stand with me today? Walk with Him. Walk with Him. Walk with God. Noah walked with God. And you know what? The Bible says in verse 5, uh, act verse number 8. Put verse number 8. I'll, I, I got to stop. Genesis 6, verse 8. Put it up there. Look what it said. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why did he find grace in God? Because he walked with him. And what is grace? Grace is the empowerment to acknowledge I can't do it. I need him. Grace is an acknowledgement to say, you know what? I'm going to fall short. And grace is that which God gives us to fill in the space from what we can do to what he's called us to do. But you can't find that grace unless you're willing to walk with him. Because you know what? There's going to be a time when you walk with him, your legs can't carry you anymore. And he's going to say, that's all right. I got you. Let's go together. Walk with God, I know today you have spoken in this place. I can feel your spirit moving in here, such a sweet and beautiful presence of God that you've put in this place. And Lord, I pray now in your precious name, every person in this place would experience you, and have a relationship with you and find you and know you like they've never known you before. God, even those of us that think we know you, I pray, God, that you would bring a fresh Hunger in our hearts to know you even better. Because God, it's your desire. I, I feel it in my heart today. It's your desire to know us and to walk with us. I pray today, God, that you would give us the grace to do that. And Lord, even in our imperfections, and we got plenty of them, Lord. The list goes on and on. In our imperfections, I pray, God, that you would give us the grace to walk with you. And in this world that is pulling us in different directions. Give us the grace to walk with you. Pray, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I loose upon this group of people a fresh hunger to know you, a fresh hunger to find you, a fresh hunger to discover who you are. Lord, you said, seek and you will find. I pray in this place today, God, that you would put a fresh hunger to seek you. In the name of Jesus, I speak these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just lift our hands one more time and let's love the Lord. Can we do that? Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you today. We give you praise and all glory and all honor that's due to your name today. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Praise God.
Praise God. Praise God. 